Yeah, I mean, the, a, a number of disabled people would have reported that um, they are intimidating, you know, people with mobility difficulties, um, older people, um, disabled people. And, you know, when we think of people with mobility difficulties, there are a lot of people who are still on their feet and moving around, but in a way that, um, you know, would um, be put at risk with these scooters. So it is a new, um, you know, it's new people are getting used to it and children can um, effectively use them unsupervised and, you know, it it, is increasing the risk. I mean, there's already um, serious issues around um, mobility and access for disabled people and this is just another um, addition. What kind of stories have you heard from others uh, within the forum and just peers, Anne-Marie, in relation to to e-scooters? Do they have similar issues? Um, I suppose it's the speed of them and sometimes when it's a young person they might lack awareness so therefore, I mean, people have felt that they've had to just move out of the way quite quickly and they're really fallen. Um, other people have talked about having to dismount and and feel safer on the road. I mean, that's that, that's not okay. No, definitely not. And uh, Martina, you, as I mentioned, you, you train guide dogs. What have you found from your past, uh, I suppose, confrontations or, 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 or experiences with e-scooters? Good morning, Alan. Um, for me, when we're training um, guide dog pups, um, and I have an ambassador dog, and I also take a fully-fledged guide dog when the owner is away on holidays, and, you know, we don't hear the e-scooters coming up behind us. So we don't get a chance to really react. When you hear somebody coming behind you saying, beep, beep, move, move, the normal reaction for the dog is to stop and look around. Now, like often encroaching e-scooters can startle a guide dog, forcing it to stop and thereby uh, disorientating its owner. Now, the owner may think it's at a crossing and start to cross the road when it's not. And, uh, you know, we have to keep that dog focused all the time. And thankfully, mine is nine years old, my ambassador dog, so she's very easily guided in that. But it's getting, it's going to be hard to keep a small pup focused when your V-scooter is zooming by you. You don't see them, and you're not getting time to react. Um, they shouldn't, to me, they shouldn't be on the footpath. There is a cycle lane. We don't go out on that cycle lane. We're training the dogs for the footpath only. Yeah, I can only imagine how frightening and I know you say disorientating, but it must be frightening for a person who's blind or visually impaired who 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 needs a a guide dog to, as you say, that and it, the, the silence of the e-scooters is an issue that has been brought up before on the show. To not hear them and then suddenly hear someone shouting and roaring, "Move, move, move!" Uh, and the dog just stopping still, it, it, it must be frightening experience for them. And it's not just that as well, Alan. You've got, um, there's at least five assistance dogs in and it's with kids going to school. They're going to have the same issue like with the e-scooters. They're not going to hear them coming behind. I mean, a small little bit of respect as well for other people. I mean, it's not that they can't see us because we've high-vis jackets. They can see the dogs. We haven't eyes in the back of our head to look around. But um, a little bit of respect. And I mean, the cycle lane should be for the scooters. They go so fast as well. Now, I've had my heels clipped twice, and I have two dogs, my own dog and a fully-fledged guide dog. 
and um, there were words exchanged and I refused to get off the footpath because I'm not training the dog to be on the road. So I refuse, even now I refuse to train a dog on the road. It's footpath and footpath only. So um, it, it's it's not nice. Um, some people, if they're coming against you, we can actually move the dog in and let them pass. But the speed they're coming, they don't slow down. No. So... I mean, you've had your heels clipped, but you would fear from what you were saying earlier on that there could be worse incidents that someone using a guide dog could end up, as you say, going onto the road and we could have a very serious situation on our hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I know that um, I have seen a person with a guide dog going around in this and you'd be watching to see, you know, the east scooter coming in the distance. There's no slowing down with them and they don't leave the footpath either. They just stay on the footpath and if if they get the chance to zoom up past them, the dog stops. The person that has the guide dog is totally disorientated. I don't know, like, are they at the pedestrian crossing? Should I cross now? The dog will sit and wait to be given the order. And the poor misfortune that the dog doesn't know where they are. You know, the safety and the security of those with their disabilities and limited mobility is being compromised here. Now, I know the guide dog, there's a girl actually with the guide dogs uh, Lean Kennedy, she has written to the minister looking for a meeting uh, to talk about all these uh, and to make changes. But so far, he's ignored her request to meet with her. So, uh, okay. And she is dependent on her guide dog 100%. She is a blind girl. Okay, and, and Anne-Marie, just to bring you back in, I mean, Martina has explained there how the potential for very serious situations she herself has gotten away with having her heels clipped what, what, what's your fear if e-scooters continue to be used without proper regulation and enforcement we do know legislation is on the way but it, it isn't here yet um, so I suppose no, I, I totally agree that it's not okay to have to wait until there's an accident and then we all have this big reaction um, but you know authorities seem to be playing and catch up but also, like from a local authority perspective, you know, they are empowered under the Local Authority Act to create a bylaw. And um, so, again, I'm always calling on, you know, clear local authority to lead the way. You know, we don't always have to be handheld. There's the Joint Policing Committee. I've already contacted a member to ask them to add that to the committee. And, um, you know, there's a role there in raising awareness. The fact that and um, children and um, with their pocket money can actually go into a toy shop and buy this and um, you know is bizarre and um, because it's being treated like that you know i mean that was probably one of the main um christmas gifts given to young people so you know we do need to in again you know just across the way in the uk it's illegal to own one under the age of 16 and we need to you know bring in um, penalties and to sanction people for the misuse of them and again, I suppose it's really interesting. Here we are as a, um, like a, a subgroup of society, again, highlighting um, the impact and the danger on us. And I always feel when we have to do that, it puts us on the back foot and it really feeds into what is already ableism, you know, this idea that, you know, we're less than. And so, I mean, it, they, they, we understand the dangers of them. Um, and I think, you know, there, there needs to be a move on this. 
um, very, very quickly. And I would be calling on the, the, the local authority to actually put together a draft um, bylaw to send to the minister ASAP rather than waiting for the minister and just make a move on this. In terms of the, the new regulations that will come in, are you happy enough with what you, what, what you see in there, uh, that they'd be similar to the regulations around bicycles once the e-scooters themselves are op- operating below a, a certain speed? Uh, the, it's been recommended that they be banned from being used on footpaths, that they're restricted from carrying passengers and luggage, and, and the point Martina made that she seems to see more younger and younger people using e-scooters, that they're only used by those over the age of 16. Oh, they must only be used um, over the age of 16. And if it's under 16, that there is evidence that there's an adult that's just supervising it and um, that if a child under 16 is using it, that they're with an adult and that adult is culpable if it's misused. Um, I'm, I'm even concerned that, um, because it is moving fast, it is, it, so, there's, so it can move quickly, and, and in the investigations that I've been doing, um, it's the power of the e-scooter is how it's been measured. Um, whereas if you're on a footpath, um, you know, and it's moving, se- you know, seven, eight miles an hour, that's too fast. And, and it's a lot more than that. There's little toddlers walking with their parents as well. There's a lot of people, basically any pedestrian um, is at risk. And as Mary just said, you know, be, they're silent as well. They come on us quite quickly and it's hard to move out of the way. Uh, Martina, the Minister for Transport, Damon Ryan, is is uh, taking the approach of regulating the e-scooters for use on the roads rather than, than banning them. How hopeful are you that he's going to heed the concerns being raised by yourselves and the various uh, disability organisations and indeed others? Well, so far, Alan, he hasn't even... Um replied to the guide dogs as regards meeting with them. Uh, they wrote to him before he actually decided in the first place they were going to be on the footpaths or the roads. They wrote to him then. He never even answered them. So I wouldn't be too confident. I mean, if he's not going to meet us, he can come to us by all means. We'll show him what we're up against. We have Martin Conway as well, and in a Simon visually impaired, he should be fighting a battle with us as well. But I don't think he's going to listen to anybody. I think he's trying to, he's pushing this too fast so it's not thought through properly at all. Um, I don't think he's going to get in the next election. That's why he's pushing everything he can at the minute. I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll be confident he will get back in, although we will find out in due course. And just to finish with you, Anne-Marie, are you hopeful that uh, Minister Ryan will take concerns on board from the, the various stakeholders and interested parties in uh, e-scooters? You know, I hope so, but I suppose my experience of um, campaigning on issues um, that um, issues like this that are seen to only affect a particular group of people do seem to be put on the long finger. And sadly, um, when it comes to the protection of uh, disabled people and older people, um, we have a very poor record. Um, so I'm hoping you know, um, that between Senator Garvey and, as, as you said, I mean, our other senator, he himself is visually impaired and, campaign, and speaks about representing disabled people and the minister, I would hope that they take this seriously because why wait um, for an accident? And remember, it's not just that. It's that psychological fear and intimidation that people are feeling now when they go out. So that, that to me, that's harm. You know, that, so that's a version of harm that needs to be addressed 
people should be able to feel free to move around in their in our communities w- without this worry. But at the same time, listen, e-scooters exist. Young people um, are entitled to also um, and others to move around freely as well. So it's around awareness raising and developing a mutual respect for each other. It's not an either or. Okay. Uh, just before I let you go, uh, Amory, uh, you wanted to make a point in relation to adapted vehicles and the issue surrounding them and VRT. Thank you so much for giving me a minute to talk about this. So there is a serious, serious issue um, occurring in the last two, um, yeah, since 21, for disabled people needing adapted vans and passengers. So the VRT, um, which is a second tax, is 41% of vehicles. Um, and also it's calculated based on CO2 emissions. And the problem is that a significant amount of us are, have no choice other than to buy vans because of the level of adaptations that we have to make. And also what's happening is that the open market value, which that's how the VRT is also determined, only is calculated after the modifications are done. So you right now, Alan, could go and buy your vehicle, whatever you choose, second-hand or new electric or other fuels, and you will know how much you're paying when you, when you, when, when you go speak to a salesperson. It's now the situation where disabled people can't. So um, the Clear Leader Forum wrote to our local DDs, the Minister, and again, like that, the Minister of Finance didn't even acknowledge our, our communication. But um, Deputy Crow did write to the, um, to the um, Minister, um, um, and sorry, raised a, a PQI and all, and raised the issue. Um, so what's happening is, for example, um, VRT is coming in now aver- on an average van at like 23, 24, 25,000 on top of the van and VRT. And the maximum um, um, a disabled person would get would be um, 16,000 on and a very, very rare occasion. And these modifications have to be half the price of the open market value. So that's like the tiniest few people, okay. but that's still affecting them at 22,000. So on average, a person with a van can maximum get um, 16,000 back. Okay, Amory, time is very much against yeah. us, but you are looking for the government to intervene on this as so soon as possible. What we're asking for in the meantime, to treat a van for disabled people the same as commercial vans to remove the, you know, the, the, the VRT and only charge that nominal fee. And that would really help.